Welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast with Corndog and Eric. Welcome, February 16th, 2021, live in studio in Panaca, Nevada. I am Corndog, here with our co-host and good buddy of mine, Eric. How you doing, Eric? Hey guys, doing great tonight. Looking forward to the show. Thanks for tuning in. And over in the corner, our producer, Ashley. How you doing, Ashley? Good. Good. Right on. Ashley's killing it. Yep. Big changes coming up, guys. Um, uh, We're working on a new program to start recording our thing. Ashley and Eric's been working on that, actually. So that's coming here in the near future. And also, our website is going live. When, Ash? Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon, our website will be going live, so we'll do a big post on our social media, Facebook and Instagram, so look out for that and go check out our new website. We'll have some shirts and stuff on there, some maybe some merch in yep. the near future. So I've got some shirts on order, or we have some shirts on order, so we'll have them up for sale and maybe cool. throw some in for some contests later on. Anyways, what a show we have for you tonight. Holy cow, are you guys ready for this? We will be getting on the phone in a little bit. Multi-Baja champion, Baja rally racer, side-by-side racer, trophy truck racer, Henge Adventures and trail rider, the king of the night racer, Steve the Henge Hengefeld. Steve Hengefeld. Yep, Steve Hengefeld. Honored to have him on the show. Somebody I've looked up to as, uh, you know, coming up through racing and stuff. Um, the dynasty that he and Johnny Campbell, you know, put together in the years they raced down there. Um, amazing. Yeah, it's one of my heroes. I mean, I started racing later on in life, but probably about the time he was starting out. Obviously, I'm older than him, but anyway, I looked up to him, and I was always watching, and pretty awesome, pretty awesome that he came on, and we're stoked, so very fortunate. Can't wait to hear the story. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, we've also got some questions from some of our listeners, and uh, we had a whole bunch of them come in through email and on Instagram messaging and on the posts we made, so... Um, Heck yeah, we love the feedback, you guys. We really appreciate it. Thanks for interacting with our Facebook and Instagram page and giving us some questions for Hinge tonight. So we'll make sure we get those out to him, and we really appreciate the feedback. I apologize if we don't ask everybody's question. Um, yeah, we'll do our best. But probably going to have uh, a long show because uh, Steve seems like a pretty cool dude, and we got one hair story. All around. Yep. So, yep. Pretty cool. Capturing the history of the sport. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Yes, we are. Anyways, so again, do us a favor. Reach out to us. Uh, Instagram, the Desert Dirt Biker. Email, the Desert Dirt Biker at gmail.com. Or our Facebook, KD Eric. Share with your friends, families. Um, get the word out. You guys are doing awesome so far, and all we're doing is growing and getting better. And on that note, make sure you uh, reach out and use our sponsors. Uh, They help us help you help us. So 
Throw me a bone, theantlerchew.com, recreation tires, rectires.com, and blood lubricants at bloodlubricants.com. So tell them we sent you. Heck yeah. Well, stay tuned. We're going to go get the eight-time overall Baja 1000 winner on the phone, and uh, we'll be right back. This episode's guest is brought to you by Blood Lubricants. Go check out Blood Lubricants at bloodlubricants.com. Steve, how you doing? We got you on the phone and uh, like promised. So here we go. Yeah, how's it going tonight? Good. Got Corndog and Eric sitting here with you and I'm sure Ashley would be popping in later. She got busy at the beauty shop or something. <laughs> <laughs> she getting her hair did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's up, Steve? Oh, just, you know. Enjoying my Tuesday night, just uh, another big weekend of racing and traveling, and uh, today was a, a pedal day, so now we're just kind of relaxing tonight. Awesome. And I get to sit here and talk with you guys tonight, so it's pretty cool. That is awesome. It, it, we've had a lot of uh, response from a few of the posts we've made, so looks like it's going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah we're, cool. we're honored to have you, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. So... To get started, just uh, why don't you tell us how you got into off-road, how you got into motorcycles, what what that looked like. Well, first off, how do you pronounce your last name? Hengeveld. Hengeveld. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of, there's right. a lot of there's a lot of you know pronunciations. Some people pronounce it with an F, and I don't know where that comes from, but uh, that's why everyone just calls me Henge. Henge. Nice, n- nice and simple right <laughs> we like nice and simple yeah well cool all right well um we can start at the beginning a little bit after birth <laughs> yeah yeah so it wasn't too much after birth uh, my dad was a desert bike you know a, a motorcycle ra- rider racer uh he raced a little bit of district 37 in the 70s and early 80s and uh when i came along um you know, I just wanted to ride a motorcycle. So I remember I was about, well, you know, story goes, don't really remember, but you know, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, two and a half years old, I wanted my own dirt bike. And the deal was I had to learn how to ride a bicycle without training wheels. So that day I learned how to ride a bicycle without training wheels. So right before I was three years old, I got my first dirt bike. That's cool. And it just kind of went from there. I started, you know, we rode and stuff. And then in uh, 1982, my dad signed me up for my first uh, motocross race at Goodall. I don't know if you got, I know you guys are from up north, but uh, there was a place in Riverside County called De Anza Cycle Park. So okay. that we started racing there. And um, that's kind of where my motocross started in 1982. And how old were you then? I was uh, five. Five? Cool. Or, yeah, five or six years old, yeah. So, you know, and then it just kind of progressed, and I went through the whole motocross thing. Uh, we raced for a couple years, and then we, you know, in 82, 83, and then we stopped. And then I start, we started racing again in 1986 on uh, a KX60. And uh, it just kind of, that's where it progressed. I, I rode motocross until, you know, raced motocross all the time until I was about 17 years old and um, you know moved up the ranks back then they had you know 80 classification was you know like your normal 
beginner, novice, intermediate, and expert. Um, so, you know, by the time I was 12 or 13, I think I was in the expert class. So, yeah, that's a whole other story. You'd line up at a national, and uh, I was a real small kid. And uh, you'd look at the guy next to you at the starting line, and he's a 16-year-old kid, you know, probably, you know, drove himself to the races, that type of thing. <laughs> and you look, I remember this one time where the Golden State Nationals, and I'm like 12, and I look over at this guy, and because he looked like a man on the motorcycle, and I look up at my dad, my dad just shrugs his shoulders and said, you know what to do. I'm not kidding you, man. The guy had a mustache, a beard, you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. So, you know, that was a, that was a pretty, not rude awakening, but it was like, dang, I'm riding with some big kids, you know, and they could muscle you around a little bit. So you had to get out in front of them and make smart passes. Otherwise they'd throw you on the ground. But, hmm. uh, but that's kind of how it all started, you know, and then we did the whole 125 thing and, uh, you know, intermediate and then uh, pro. And then I had it, I had blown out my knee really bad at, uh, at Ponca city and we had it worked on and blah, blah. And I was just kind of trying to come from back from that. And my dad goes, you know, we need to go have some fun, you know? And, uh, we need to go, we need to go do what we, what I did race. Let's go race desert. And I had grown up in the desert and helped set up, you know, national hair and hound events on my, you know, sometimes with my uncle and stuff on, on my 80 and I, you know, I'd set up the third loop with them so I could ride desert, but just, we never raced it or anything. So, mm. and I was with team green at the time, you know, and my dad goes, Oh, this, you know, we're, we're going to go race this race. And it was in 19, I think it 1992. It was, I believe it was a SoCal MC race, uh, over Thanksgiving. And, uh, that was my first desert race. I, uh, and we signed up pie plate so I could be on the first row with the experts because it's all about, you know, how much experience you have and blah, blah, blah. Right. So my dad goes, you're going to, you're an expert. Don't worry. You know, you, you write pro moto, whatever, you know, you're, you're going to be <laughs> fine. You grew up in the desert and I was like, all right, I'm down for it. This is fun. And, uh, you know, my first desert race, I ended up getting, uh, third or fourth overall in a 125 and i battled wow. all race long with jeff cap who was like the number one 125 guy at that time and me and jeff are good friends and uh you know it's just yeah that's that's basically where it kind of all started for me in the off-road was that one race awesome and look at you now it was <laughs> now i'm just out of shape and old <laughs> you're not old come on <laughs> but uh yeah that started how that started my love for off-road right i mean i always liked it but that was like you know this is pretty fun and uh you know a couple weeks later we went to the laughlin hair scrambles that big race they used to have in laughlin and i see yeah. that legacy's bringing it back in two weeks which is pretty cool yeah we'll yeah, be there. you guys going you know, we were talking about on our pedal today, we were talking about maybe we'll show up out there just because it's such a cool race. And it's, oh, an, yeah, and it's an off weekend for my son. So we we're thinking maybe we'll go out there and have some fun with that. That'd be rad. We're, we're both going. Corndog and I are Ashley and Eric are racing. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That was always one of fun. my favorite events. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one for sure. You know, especially up in them hills of Laughlin. I mean, there was just so much good stuff up there. Yeah. 
And you guys will be at Works this weekend, right? Yeah, this weekend we're at Works in uh, a canyon in Peoria. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, we'll be there all weekend. The pro racing isn't till Sunday, but we'll be there. You know, my son will be there setting up with his team, and uh, we'll be there. You know, practice on Saturday, practice on Friday, and race on Sunday. Cool. Ashley and I might go and race on Sunday. She races uh, in Parker on Saturday. Yep. She, she's doing the Iron uh, Ironman Expert class this year, and um, it depends on how she feels when she's done. We might jump in the truck and head to uh, Peoria. Have you ever been to Peoria? Uh, we went last year, or well, not last year because COVID, ago. but yeah. nineteen nineteen. <laughs> We went there. Cool. With works. Yeah. Nice. A lot of cactus. <laughs> yeah. A lot of cactus if you get off for sure. Get, get off right. that course. And a lot of rock too. Is it you that's racing or just the son? Just my son. Yeah. I don't race anymore. Both your sons race, right? Uh, well, I have one that races all the time and I have his twin brother races very sporadically. <laughs> okay. He rides, cool. he, he, he's more of a mountain bike guy. So, you know, when he gets okay. a chance, he does that. And uh, he's just, he's going to school to be a nurse. So he's, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty busy. Yeah, cool. that's cool. So, so you did your first desert race. Were you a support rider for Cowie at that time? Or just, you were just on Cowie's? No, I was a support rider. I've been a support rider from, for Cowie. Well, since I was 11 at that time. Uh -huh. from, from the age of 11 until I left Cowie and went to Honda at uh, end of 1999. So I was with Cowie a long time. What happened was, is, you know, it was kind of the, it, you know, and, and to kind of jump a year ahead, it was kind of the right timing for me um, because I was a moto kid and, you know, there's a million fast moto kids, but there's right. like, you know, two Ricky Carmichael's, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, you know, and I was heard and I really enjoyed the, the, the off-road stuff and I'd done good at my first one. And back then, you I mean, you know, all, you know, Cowie always showed up at District 37 with Ted Honeycutt and Paul Krause and once in a while, Danny Hamill would show up, you know, and um, mm -hmm. he'd be there for the Nationals, obviously, but sometimes he'd show up for District. And so every time, uh, you know, at least then when I was even at that SoCal race, you know, Cowie was there and the bosses were there and it was like and, and when I was with Team Green for Moto, we had the same pretty much the same boss. Uh, so they knew what I was doing. They seen how well I was doing. So in 1993, I I kind of picked at Moto, and I picked and chose you know certain uh, desert events or off road events, I should say. And then uh, at the end of '93, it was basically they asked me, you know, they talk to me about just being a full-time off-road guy because there was room on the team and they seen what we were doing and uh you know so it's kind of just perfect timing for me really I, I i you know where my moto career probably would not not have went anywhere if you want right. to you know where you know i went off-road and i was able to you know expand on that and and learn a lot of stuff and accomplish a lot of things and uh you know, so like I say, that's like, you know, that that was the turning point in my life mm. to be able to, you know, race pretty much 
the rest of my career, you know? So right. at that point, was your focus like Heron Hounds, Best in the Desert? What was your, was it local or did you immediately go down to Baja? So check this out. So we did, like I said, in 1993, we did a couple of, you know, we did some uh, Casey Folk stuff, Best in the Desert stuff, you know, Mesquite Grand Prix, uh-huh. uh, you know, his Grand Prix stuff. Uh, we didn't, and then we didn't really ride any of his big off-road races in 93 because they're, I was riding some moto and stuff and then some districts, district 37 stuff as well. Just trying to figure it all out. And 19, uh, the thousand was coming around in 1993 and, uh, we, Cali put together a huge, uh, a 120, you know, back then what 125 class, there was 30 dudes, you know? Right. And Stack. they go, Hey, we want to put you on a 125. Okay, or I'm already riding one, but let's ride Baja on it. So there was a, a group of us. Uh, uh, man, it was myself, uh, Jason Kaywell, Steve Ogren, Dana Van Stee. Um, I think it was the four of us. And we, you know, Cali took us down there kind of as like a privateer, but they helped us with the bike and lighting and stuff because you'd have, you'd have to have certain, uh, staters to run special built staters back then to run the lights and for sure you know it went good (laughs) while it went (laughs) but uh unfortunately the stater blew apart and uh the bike still ran but what are we gonna do at night so we pulled the plug at about mile 200 and uh you know and then then in 94 um we went up to uh the 250 class and we started doing all the Baja stuff then and full-time District 37 and, uh, you know, started racing more best in the desert that we could. Right on. Okay. <laughs> so from there, how did your, how did you get transitioned from Cali to Honda? Well, what did that look like? So over the years, you know, uh, became pretty much Kawasaki's 250 guy on the West Coast. Um, pretty much, you know, anything and everything I could pretty much win and dominate, you know, up until, you know, the later. You know, go to the Grand Prix and stuff and it'd be all of us, right? You know, because then you could ride, you know, like Atalanta, you could ride a ton of classes, you know, so then... I was able to ride an open bike there, but then anywhere else, you know, Cali would keep me on the 250. And uh, towards the end of 19, towards the end of 1999, Honda approached me, um, Johnny Campbell, and uh, he asked if I had any interest in riding a Honda, you know, four stroke. Well, yeah, because that means it'd be an open bike and uh, open bike is always back then was always where it was at. You could overall a, a race on a 250, and the guy who got second on an open bike would get more press than you because he won the open class, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Right, so, right. you know, we did some negotiating, and uh, uh, me and Johnny always battled it out at District 37 and stuff when I was on a 250. And uh, one time after a, a race, I went and rode his bike around for a while, his race bike, and uh, – Immediately, you know, thought, wow, this is awesome. It was an XR628, you know, aluminum tank, just totally dialed in for him. And uh, I, fe- I, fe- I I, 
fit on that bike and felt so comfortable on it after 10 minutes that it was pretty unreal. Um, and I was like, yeah, I think this is the, in the right, you know, the right direction. So, uh, so we ended up, you know, making a deal for the, re- you know, the last month of uh, 1999 and, 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 and beyond. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Stepping back a little bit, so back when you were on Cowies, what did the what was the support like back then? I mean, it was factory supported, but like salaries or parts accounts. What what did it look like back then? You know, you'd get bikes and you'd get uh, you know you'd get some win bonuses and you'd get uh, at least for me because um, I was a two fifty guy and you get parts accounts and things like that. You know. Um, yeah. since I wasn't on an open bike, there wasn't really no salary per se. Um, just because they wanted the 250 win, but it wasn't their main, you know, their primary objective. Right. So, um, you know, I've gone, I had gone to Baja with Cowie on, you know, we had, we'd always put together a 250 team for, you know, always a thousand and stuff. And, you know, we'd, sometimes beat one of the open bikes you know there's several times we were second overall on a 250th like the Baja 1000 so but you still wasn't the overall winner you know and that's kind of like where I wanted to be I wanted to be in that overall contention I guess you would call it yeah for sure so yeah that's pretty much how the you know how that went with me with the Cali and Cali was great to me for all them years I mean great people you know long you know lifelong friendships and uh acquaintances for sure um still talk yeah. to a lot of those people today that's cool that's good that you you can do that <laughs> i'm sure when you went over to honda or whatever they were they encouraging to you or were they upset you were left you left or um actually my boss back then in 99 he understood he knew what I wanted to do at Cali, but there just wasn't a spot available. They already had, you know, they already had a lot of, they had four fast guys on 500s, you know, and I was like the fifth guy, you know, so they're pretty content with what they had. And I, I totally understood that. So I told him I'm going to try and take, I'm going to take the jump. And it's funny after a year of being on Honda and accomplishing stuff so quickly, of course, they're knocking on my door, you know, the next year. But, you know, Honda believed in me and um, for riding an open bike and I proved my point and I stayed with them for a long time. Yeah. So making that move to Honda, um, you know, looking back, that kind of defined or helped you define your career in in Baja and and becoming known as one of the best off-road racers in Baja and and uh, known for your night riding, but yeah. tell us tell us a little bit about your Honda days, how that got started, and how how you guys became so dominant down there. Yeah, well, when we when I first started riding with Honda, like I said, I was on one of the six twenty eight, you know, Johnny Johnny's race bike for district for a month because the the uh, six fifty hadn't been out yet, so I was on that for about a month, and then. We went to Terrible Town in December of 99, and that was my first time I ever rode an XR650, and there was two bikes in the country, 
and Johnny rode one at that time in that year with uh, Tim Staub, and I rode the other one with Jonah Street, and that was the first time, first time I ever threw a leg over on XR650. <laughs> what What was your impression of that bike at that time? First time, what was your impression? To be honest, it was a shit show. Um, <laughs> I felt good on it. I was, you know, doing good. I was running, I think, you know, that race is cold. It's fast. It's rocky. Well, let's just say by mile 90, <laughs> I blew it out of the water, man. I hit, I was in a silt, a silt road, hit a big old rock, hit, you know, crashed doing about 90, destroyed the spike. And uh, the Pearsons actually happened to be f- up going to 95, hauling ass up to another pit. And they seen me wad it and they cut the fence down. They came and picked me up. They kind of put the bike together, the subframe and stuff. They started it, lifted me up, put me on it, told me where the fence was so I could ride down the highway and go back to the pit I just came from. <laughs> and that was the first time I raced an XR650 and it sucked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but Sounds like the Pearson clan. Yeah, yeah good dudes. And, uh, yeah. you know, we were just all racing. I mean, it was just gnarly. But, uh, you know, that bike took, it took me about six to seven months to figure that, to, to really kind of figure that bike out, um, how to ride it, how to ride a big four stroke, four stroke, how to ride a 300 pound motorcycle, um, you know, compared to my 230 pound 250, uh, you know, and it really took, it took, just took a lot of, you know, we tested a lot. We rode a lot. I'd be at Glen Helen every Thursday, learning how to moto on it. I mean, after that first year in 2000, you know, we, we, man, learned a lot and uh, progressed immensely with that thing. And were, were people saying you were crazy for trying to race that at that time or? Oh yeah. They go, you weigh yeah, 150 pounds and you're going to race that. That, that was, <laughs> that was the normal question, you know? Yeah. And, uh, one of my first, no, my first national hair and hair and hound on one. We basically rode an XR six stock XR six fifty R. We hadn't really figured out our suspension yet. Um, we hadn't been linked up with Precision Concepts yet. Um, you know, as far as doing the suspension, we were kind of just all, you know, we were all over the place and just trying to figure the bikes out and. The set, I don't know if it was a, I can't remember if it was a two loop national or a three loop, but I remember the last loop, I smoked the clutch so bad that the bike would hardly even move forward. And I ended up just riding it back to the pits. And my dad looked at me and goes, did we just make the biggest mistake of our lives? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you know, that's where we just put our heads down and worked hard. I mean, one thing I will say when I was with, you know, Honda and, Johnny Campbell and Bruce Ogilvy, I mean, they worked hard and we all worked hard together to make, you know, it was 24 hours a day, seven days a week, making those things awesome. And the amount of work that they put in, you know, we all put in, especially them though, because Bruce would just, Bruce was a madman, awesome dude. And uh, to put just the amount of effort they did to make those bikes so, so great people just don't understand what it took to get them to where, where they are at at the end, you know? And, uh, but that's what it took. If you wanted to, to make, be one of the front runner, you had to put in the time for sure. 
Yeah, that's mm. that's awesome. I've heard a lot of stories about Steve and or Bruce, sorry. Um, <laughs> and you know the the way he managed the team and and was kind of the glue that made everything what it was and oh yeah bruce was definitely you know he was the general for sure and uh the guy was ran ran a tight ship yeah and he was man his memory is unbelievable unbelievable i mean Mm. you know going down to baja i'd be like he would just you describe something to him and he knew exactly what you're talking about and he's like yeah if you want to hit it off the highway it's kilometer you know 172.7 and he'd be like yeah whatever you know and then you'd (laughs) be down there and you're at 172.7 there's this little two-track dirt road with the wire fence you open it up and you drive down you know two miles and bam there's that section of the race course i mean it's unbelievable so we learned Uh learned a lot from him as well um and his guidance and just, you know, about racing off road for sure. Yeah. That, he's amazing. Well, it definitely takes good people in your corner, you know, to be successful. And, um, what, tell us a little bit about your night racing. What, what makes you so dominant down there in the, in the night and, I mean, did you did you train at night a lot, or was it just something that came to you? You know, I start first started riding at night in 1994 and um, 95 at the Baja 1000, and it just came to me. Um, so I had a couple-year practice on the 250s down there. And then in 2000, um, we had the big race, you know, all the way to Cabo San Lucas, and I pretty much rode all night. And... Um, you know, it was, it just, it just, it just was natural to me. Uh, I never, I never, tr- the only time I trained at night for riding was when we were testing our lights for the race. That's it. And then, you yeah. know, when I'd start pre-running, when I'd pre-run, you know, if I knew I was doing the night section or whatever, you know, the nights, the one of the night sections or whatever, I would pre-run it once or twice during the day, get my landmarks, get kind of things kind of where I know where they're going to be. And then I would just pre-run the whole, you know, pre-run it every day at night, same time that I think I'd race it at. And you pre-run and you pre-run and you pre-run. <laughs> and then you just kind of, you know, then when one race comes along, it's usually easier, <laughs> to be honest. You know, you're on a bike. It's familiar. You're not on yeah, a bike yeah. that's clapped out. The thing's fresh still, you know. Um you know, you're only running, you know, say 600 miles that night, not, you know, 3,000 the week before, things like that. Yeah. So how many times did you guys win the Baja 1000? Overall? Yeah. I've won the over the Baja 1000 overall eight times. And how many score championships? Score championships. Oh, let's see here. I think I have five. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, um, because when you get a championship, it's based on the rider of record. They oh, okay. do that weird thing, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I have, I, I believe it's five, um, four or five 
uh, that when I was writer of record. How many? How many as a team? As a team, though. Uh, five, six. Yeah, because yeah, I helped in two thousand. Because so yeah, see that's where it gets weird. Me and Johnny didn't become teammates, and or you know we didn't start riding together as a two man team until two thousand and two. Okay. So like in two thousand, I that was my you know I was considered the B team on Honda. <clears throat> And so we had that big race, the Baja 2000. So I had to pretty much give up all my points for the year. And then I, you know, me and then I, then I was on Johnny's team per se for the Baja 2000. And then he won the championship for that year, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And then in 2001, Jonas Street and I won the, you know, won the championship. So then that's why in 2002, Johnny became my new teammate. Because I was number mm-hmm. one plate holder, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So, no, but awesome. I mean, Johnny and I, I mean, man, great guy. We have tons of stories. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, I think Scott Harden did an article on us a couple of years ago. I think we're the win- most winningest uh, off road duo of all time. That's cool. Teammates. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's something that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. Um, going back to the first time you went to Baja, did you fall in love with Baja right away? Like, I've never been to Baja, so it's on my bucket list. Well, let's go trail riding. Eric races. Said, What's let's that? Let's go trail riding then. That'll get you, Baja, get you your Baja buzz. Let's let's go. I, I have, since we started this podcast, I've got, it's like number one on my bucket list. You tell us when. We'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Eric goes every year and races it. He's been going. He first went down with Dave Pearson. 2010 was my first year. Down okay, there. yeah. Well, and then uh, I've been, I've been back almost every when year. When we since. rode the the KTM together, or yep, poster yep. ride the KTM together. Yeah, we made it like 200 and yeah, a little over 200 miles. I think 204 miles or something, just outside of San yep, Felipe. Yeah, going to Gonzaga, Portocito. Yeah, I remember that Gonzaga, one too yeah. because. I'm getting on way south, and uh, Dave's supposed to bring me the bike, and my sat phone rings, and it's Dave. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, bad hey. news, I go, man. I go, Where are you at? He goes, I'm at the border. I'm like, What? And he goes, Oh, yeah, the bike blew up a couple hours ago. Race is over. <laughs> I go, Are you sure the bike's not coming? He goes, Oh, no, it's in the back of the truck where I'm at. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude you spent like two weeks down there pre-running and never saw same with me because <laughs> uh, i was i was doing the last leg down all the way to la paz so yeah we we're at the bottom waiting but uh, that's yeah that's another story right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well and then i think in in was that 13 you were in the helicopter with the cowie boys with dave again yep i was broken yep yeah, you were busted up. Ro- Robbie crashed. Robbie ended up, yep, Robbie ended up wadding it up. Then I had to get in, get on the bike and ride it like 150 miles. Ugh. Yeah, what what were you dealing with? You were I had a broken leg. Broken, broken leg, right? Yeah, yeah. broken ankle and tip fib, yeah. And rode 150 miles in 2013 for the team to get the bike to the next ride. Yeah, so that they could repair it because it was so blown out. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. You know, there's all kinds of crazy stories like that, you know. But um, going back <laughs> to your original story, question about falling in love with Baja in 1993 when I went down to start pre-running for the thousand on that 125, I was, I'll be honest, I was scared. Um, you know, I drove in at night with um, my uncle and Steve Ogren because he knew where I was getting on and he was kind of going to bring the bike. You know, it's kind of the thing where we camped out. The next morning I woke up, I strapped a ton of fuel on me and they gave me, they used to have these, you know, course maps. There was no GPS and um, go on your way. It was a, like a 200 mile loop at the time, maybe a little bit further. It's basically Borrego to Borrego. So you go Borrego south to Diablo Dry Lake, Matomi Wash, up all through the washes, hit San Felipe, and then run up the pole line road to three poles and then back to Borrego. It's a big wash out mm-hmm. there. And uh, I was running low on fuel. I knew I had to get gas in San Felipe. I pull into San Felipe. You're kind of freaked out that you could ride your dirt. You know, I was like seven. I think at that race, I was 16, I think. I, I don't think I turned wow. 17 yet. And uh, anyways, <laughs> and I'm scared. I mean, I'm riding my dirt bike on the street to a gas station. Only thing I could, can't, you know, I can't find a gas station quick enough. I find one. I get gas. And all I want to do is haul ass, get back on that course, and head into the no man's land. Because I felt safer there. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> You know, All right. I didn't know Spanish then, um, you know, just a whole, just, just a lot to learn. Like I thought, you know, and we had talked about this or I talked about this with my family, you know, I would never send my son out there by himself at that age. I'd make sure somebody's <laughs> riding with them or something, you know, because I don't know how we did it, but, or how my dad did it because that was crazy. But, uh, you know, but after that, I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then in 94, you just, I started falling in love with it. I mean, and Baja has been some of the best times of my life. You know, I spent so much time down there every year for, you know, a decade and um, still love it to this day. That's cool. Yeah, I can't wait. You see some, <laughs> I mean, there's just some, I mean, there's beautiful things everywhere out in the desert, you know, but there's just some really, really tranquil places out there that you're like wow this is out here in the middle of nowhere and i'm so Mm. glad somebody hasn't ruined it yet if you know what i mean yeah right yep yeah Yeah, once you get down there and see it you know it's it's pretty amazing place yeah it's pretty cool it's just Mm. you know it's just it's just different you know um but you know there's things that happen but thing, I think a lot of things that happen to people are because they're in the wrong, they're in the wrong, they're doing something wrong to be in the wrong place. If you know what I mean, we've all had yeah. some weird experiences, yep. but usually, you know, or a couple, you know, there weren't like we weren't invoking it. If you know what I mean, right, right. Well, on that note, tell us a crazy story. Every guest we have on that rides Baja. We get them to tell us a crazy story, a funny story, just something that's way out there. All right. I got a good one. It always sticks in my head. <laughs> I mean, it, it's nothing scary. It's nothing crazy. Like, you know, no, nothing. I mean, there's a ton of them. I could tell you, you know, middle of the night, pre-running, come around a corner, you know, and the army all of a sudden blasts me with all these lights and things like that. But a really cool story <laughs> is 
I was pre-running for the Baja 2000 and I've been pre-running for like four days, four night, four night sessions already. And this particular night it had rained and it was kind of foggy and I was way down South. Uh, I just left La, this little, this little village called La Parissima and I was heading, um, you know, I was heading the next little village in the bottom of this canyon is called Komondu. And I'm, you know, just having a good old time hauling ass. And it's kind of foggy, kind of weird. It was the November 1st, so it was Day of the Dead. And, <laughs> uh, you know, never even thought twice of anything. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, Komondu is kind of freaky anyways. Like <laughs> when you go down, you know, the days before, you'd pre- go, you know, you're, you're up on top, you you're in these valleys and you go on top of this mountain ridge and then you go back down into this valley. And during the day, it's kind of a weird place because it's really quiet and people kind of aren't out and it's a lot of palm trees and just, it's really, really tight in this little canyon. You ride right up main street or race right up main street. I mean, it's a dirt road or a dirt street and, you know, just not very many people out and at nighttime you go through there and it's like, you know, the guy hiding behind the wall and everybody's in the shadows. It's just kind of this eerie vibe. So whatever, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And on this particular night we're pre-running, pre-running up there and, uh, hauling ass. And all of a sudden I'm like, I see these eyes glowing at me in this corner. I'm like, what, <laughs> what the hell? Like it, it shocked me. I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. And then I'm hauling ass again, going, going, I mean, I got to get out of here. This kind of weird, just kind of spooked me, like made me like get, you know, goosebumps and boom, there's more eyes. Yeah. I'm like, holy, and my lights are picking these up in the fog and stuff. And I was like, holy crap, man. Like, this is nuts. You know? So I get, <laughs> you know, so I, I, haul, I keep hauling. I had, at the time I had my buddy pre-running with me and he was always about, you know, I'd always stop every now and then, but he's usually running about 15 to 20 minutes behind me to pick me up in case something were to happen, you know, back in the day. And, uh, uh-huh. man, I get down to the Komondu and the town's just freaking me out too. Cause there's like fog rolling in the bottom of the streets. I'm like, man, I gotta get out of here. I just got to keep going. So I, I went all the way, um, for another probably 20 miles. And then I stopped and waited for him. And I see, you know, finally see him coming. I, he's, I stop him. I'm like, man, did you see that? He's like, see what? Dude, there's some trippy stuff up there, you know. There, I seen eyes glowing at me, and it just, you know, with the fog and stuff. And he's like, man, I didn't see anything, you know. I'm like, man, this is weird. <laughs> so, whatever, that night, I'm just like, kind of bugged me. I finished pre-running early in the mor- in the morning. And the next day... Gotta go do it again. So this time though, there's no fog or anything, and I'm cruising, you know, cruising my section, going doing my section, and coming up to the same spot. I'm okay. These eyes, man, where are these things at? Like, what's gonna come get me? Boom! There they are again, right? <laughs> and I'm like, nah, this is something weird, man. So I stop. And what I did before that, though, I had my buddy who would pre-run with me at the at that time i had him ride with me through that area because i didn't know what was going on <laughs> so when i seen the light or the eyes glowing at me 
were <laughs> reflecting, I should say, because of, you know, the lights. I had them with me. And we, I stopped them. I go, you see those? He goes, yeah, I see those. He goes, but that's weird. So we ride up to it, right? Because in the bushes. And what it was, was the locals, they were, it was a full-blown cow that had died, <laughs> you know, like laid over and died. All, it's, <laughs> all of it was there, though, but it was just like no, no nothing in it, though, kind of like a, a hide and all the bones were still in it. It still looked like a cow, but just like a dehydrated one, per se. And they put mm-hmm. these reflectors in their eyeballs <laughs> on purpose. Oh, it's the craziest thing. And that's like one of my crazy stories that I tell because it's like so stupid, you know, but still at the same time, it, it kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be freaky in the middle of the night in a different country. Yeah, we're talking, you know, middle midnight, of one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, there's some there's some creepy areas down there in the you know, in the night and stuff. You're and you're remote. It's it's just you're in the oh, middle yeah, of nowhere. It's full on remote for sure. For sure. <laughs> I'd never get any riding done. I'd be stopping and taking pictures of everything. Oh yeah, during the day, especially in this area during the day, it's just amazing. I mean, like I said, they 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 have, you know, all these little villages are old missions. Whether the mission is still there or not, you know, there's ruins of them or whatever. And they're tiny little towns, all a bunch of date palms. I mean, it's really, really cool. Because where all the water is, you know, every 25 or 50 miles or whatever, there's a mission. So, yeah, you know, it's it's pretty cool. <clears throat> What's your favorite place to eat down there? My favorite place to eat in uh, is Loretto. Yep. Uh, it's a it's a town on the Sea of Cortez, and there is a uh, restaurant there called used to be called back in the day El Nido Steakhouse and Seafood. Now it's called well now for like the last you know fifteen years, maybe more. It's been called Doc Domingo's. Same owner, um, really 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 cool ambiance. Uh, you can sit inside, which is a cool bar sit outside under like a palapola so it looks like it feels like you're in the jungle but you're actually outside uh that's my favorite place to eat in all of baja for sure i mean there's a lot of good food there i mean oh but yeah. that's my fa- like that's my favorite place like when i'm in loreto i'm eating there like some you know in the 2014 baja 1000 i was there 10 days i ate there every night <laughs> Well, I mean, nice. I, you know, but they have so much variety and Domingo knows me, you know, you know, if you just want a salad, right. it's a nice salad, just whatever. It's just, it's really, really good. So that's my favorite place. Nice. Very cool. I'll have to check it out. That'll be on my bucket, bucket list. <laughs> places to go, places to yeah. go when you're in Baja. Well, I mean, you got to ask the guy that spent, you know, a lot of time down there. Yeah. So. So, like, how much time did you guys spend usually to say pre-running for a thousand? How much? How long were you down there pre-running for before the race? Depends on the course, um, but say you know we'd be down there like twenty some days. Hmm. Just yeah, grinding it out, riding down doing... there, learn your section. I do my, you know, sometimes you'd race a a day section, and then sometimes you know, like sometimes I'd race in the morning. 
and then sometimes then I'd get on at night, you know, so they have a few different sections. <clears throat> so you just want to learn them. And then especially your night sections, you ride them a few times during the day and then hit them at night. So did, I mean, you had it pretty much pretty well down to where you knew where there was dangers you had to check up otherwise you just pretty much held it yeah wide, as, huh? as fast as you can that's you know you pre-run and you just you did that's why i'd figure out where i was at during the day where the dangers were and then try and figure out something how to trigger my memory at night to remember where that's at and then after you you know do it a few times kind of gets embedded in into your into your mind and uh you know i think i've only only you know really screwed up once or twice with the danger at night based on that mm. tell us tell us a story about lighting issues lighting issues uh, you ever had i mean did you guys ever have issues with lights on the honda going team, going out the only to... thing we ever really had happen on our honda team was a light bulb burnout not not too wow. bad so yeah, wow. our lights were pretty. Yeah. Our were our our systems were old, um, and our on on the on the six fifty days we ran halogen. Um, we were happy. I was happy with the halogen system back then, and they were lights that Bruce Ogilvy and Chuck Miller used in the early eighties, and we just kind of revamped them, but it was mm. the same you know, same internals, same same lenses, same dishes wow bulletproof yeah uh you know and then obviously our ignitions that's a big thing with lighting is ignitions but and uh our ignitions with were hrc ignitions so they're they're bulletproof yeah (laughs) but you know i like the halogen stuff um and it took me a long time to convert over Did you ever get lost out there in Baja and or stranded? Um, I, I know one of the questions that was asked on our Instagram was your scariest experience when you were lost or broken down. Did you were you ever lost at one point or broken down? Kind of. No, I've never been broken. I broke down racing out there and had to you know be taken in or wait for a couple hours for someone to come get me or a local finally drive you know. And all of a sudden they pop out of the bushes and there's a four wheel drive pickup and I'm way out there and they pick me up and they drive me to the pavement or something where I could get reception. But I've never been in a situation where I was lost and or stranded, you know, off of the course per se. You know, um, (laughs) if you get lost in Baja, that's your own fault. Uh, That means you didn't know where you're going. No, seriously. I mean, if you pre-run it, there shouldn't be an exactly. excuse that you got lost. You know, right? Um, and especially like nowadays, everything's GPS. So these guys ride with GPSs on their bike, and they say they get lost. It's like, how you're following a line? You know, we didn't have we didn't have that we right. didn't have that luxury back in the day. We had to do everything ourselves, you know, and memorize it, you know. Um, but yeah, no, That's I never, good. never experienced anything like that. I mean, yeah, I broken down in the middle of the night, waited a couple hours, got driven in, you know, throw the bike in the back, you know, blah, blah, blah. But nothing, you know, 
pers- you know, off course to where I'm like, I don't know where I'm at and I'm stranded per se. Been lucky. So when, when did you guys start using helicopters? When was the, do you remember the first, the first bike? The first the time I used a helicopter was the Baja 500 in 2000. And they always followed huh. the lead bike. So whoever was leading first on course, like, so when we were in, we had those, we had two teams, like in 2000, I was on Honda's B team. So whoever was leading, you know, phys- physically leading, that's what the helicopter would follow. Hmm. Yep. And that was just a safety measure to, they, to they, make yeah, sure would, that the safety measure, the course would, was clear. They would and... run up a little ahead of you. If they seen vehicles, <clears throat> uh, they'd swoop on them to let the people know that the race was coming and they'd move out of the way. Because you, you're on just, you know, like a two-track dirt road sometimes, you know. And they swoop down yeah. on them or circle around them. And same with uh, cows. They may have swooped cows out of the course. And they don't, you know, you don't know. You just, you're just racing. And, uh, you know, there's been, there were times that they'd say, yeah, we, just, you know, there was 20 cattle sitting in the middle of the course. When you come over that rise, you would have wadded up into them, you know. We got them out of the way. And, you know, what well, we don't have no clue. You know what I mean? Our brain is just focused on going forward, and we don't have to worry about things like that. And it's usually when you're the lead bike, that stuff's going to happen. You know, after the first bike, usually no one else is going to encounter that, you know, if you know what I mean. Right. Because the people don't really know when the races start or is coming until they see the bird in the air. Because they'll see a helicopter before they hear a yeah. motorcycle any day, and that's still right. Yeah, day, for sure. You know, no, for sure. I, yeah, I think for sure it was a, a big, game changer for safety for the lead riders and, and, uh, I mean it's it's dangerous down there. But did that give you comfort as a racer to know that you had? I'm sure it did. They had that additional yeah, eyes in the sky. Yeah, you have a little bit more security, you know, but you can't trust it 100%. You got to be, you still got to look out for yourself. But yeah, it did give you a, a sense of security a little bit. Gotcha. Hmm. What, here's another question that was on the Instagram. Um, what was your best win for you? at Baja was it your first win the first time you won or was there something that another one stuck out and made it special on any of the races down in Baja yeah yeah like five you know 500 or thousand or just the thousand yeah the thousand well there's three actually the first one is the very first Baja 1000 I won in 2000 which was the Baja 2000 with Johnny Craig Smith um, and myself was that was because that was my first time I won Baja 1000 overall and first time on an open bike and so that was really really cool and special and it's like yeah all right this is awesome you know Um, they're all I mean every time you win it it's amazing but the ones that stand out are that one, 
I mean, they all, it's, it, it's kind of a hard question, but I've given, I'll give reasons why. And that was because that was my first one. Uh, the second one that stands out or, you know, that is more than the other would be in 2006. And I won the Baja 1000 overall the first time on a 450X for Honda. So is, the, is, is when they first brought that bike out. And it was the first time I didn't race a 650 in Baja. Uh, so it was the brand new 450X. So that was cool. And then the third one would be the last Baja 1000 I won overall in 2014 on the Kawasaki. And that was because mm. I was able, I started Honda's winning streak and I ended Honda's winning streak. <laughs> uh, that's awesome yeah so that that was your last Baja race yeah. yep oh, me and Robbie oh. Bell when we decided to do that race um he asked you know you're like do we you know we had a meeting and are you into it I'm like yeah I'm into it I want to win and he's okay so <laughs> if we win this thing this is going to be our last Baja race on a motorcycle right <laughs> yeah I'm down with that so <laughs> You know, and we came, we overcame some uh, things and uh, won the race. And I'm good with that, you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So that leads me to another Instagram question. No, it's <laughs> um, sorry about that. But um, out of all the bikes, trucks, side by side you've raced down there, uh, which one? had you had the most fun on or or um like the best and why Ooh, that is a hard one i mean yeah. i mean i like them, <laughs> you all. Like them all they all have their pluses <laughs> and minuses i mean to say the gnarliest is a motorcycle when you're the fastest vehicle right. on a two-wheel vehicle i mean i think that has something to say for itself um you know, and Absolutely. it's the most dangerous. I mean, it's you and the bike, and that's it. You're not in a roll cage. Um, it's you making every decision. I mean, you make every decision and everything else, but you have a little bit more leeway in other things. Um, you know, but I've driven side-by-sides, uh, which is awesome, which is fun. Um, they don't go fast enough, but they're fun. Um, and then obviously trophy trucks is <laughs> unreal because it's like you can hit anything you want pretty much. You can hit on a bike, but faster and there's not going to be any repercussions oh. of the rear end bucking on you or anything like that. So if you drive a truck, like you ride a bike, you're pretty solid. So they all have their pluses and minuses, but you know, That's I would amazing. say the motorcycle only because there's a little bit different. They all have a, they all have, you know, the trophy truck and everything has their butt pucker factors. Um, but I think, I think the, <laughs> the bike takes all the skill. It's a, you have to have a skill, more of a skill, I should say. I mean, it takes right. a skill to drive a truck, especially, you know, some of those guys in the trucks, um, you know, just Robbie and, you know, just things like that. I mean, it just, they got some unbelievable skill. <laughs> To drive those things the way they do, but um, <laughs> the motorcycle based on that. Very cool. Yeah. 
Sweet. So what uh, what was the relationship between teams back, you know, back in your Honda days when Cowie was down there, you guys were battling with the, the Honda Cowie guys? What was the relationship between teams? Were you guys friends? Were you cordial to each other? Or were you rivals and, like, so in, straight Yeah, so straight in the rivals 90s when I was on thing. the 250, um, I was friends with everybody because I was on the 250, so I wasn't really a threat, if that makes any sense. But I think there was some, you know, there was definitely, mm-hmm. you hear some stories, there was definitely some rivalries with the open bike guys um you know in the 90 in the 1990s night through 90 you know through 97 is the last baja uh 1000 i think cowie went to as a factory team um before the 2000s and then obviously you know later on we brought cowie back to baja but that's you know but in the early days and then when i went over to honda right. um you know there was you know there was ktm uh, you know, they come out, everybody was pretty cordial. We just kind of did our own thing. And, uh, you know, we all pretty much raced against everybody anyways, like at local races. So I think there was a, a, a friendship there. I mean, you wouldn't sit there and go talk about lines with those guys or tell them what you're doing, or, you know, we need make them figure it out. Like what section you were doing versus the other guy or where pit stops were, things like that. But I think for the most part, it was pretty cordial. Yeah. yeah. A lot of respect. You know, and I think, sure. you know, I think later on um, when we brought Cowie back in after I'd left Honda and went away for a year, um, and then I started racing again on a Cowie, I think, you know, there was a little bit there. I mean, you know, of course, because – couple old factory honda guys now are on the cowie if, if that makes sense you know so they just trying to see who could beat who you know and who had the best cleanest race yeah for sure yeah hey steve on that okay. note we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right here in a few minutes and still a lot we want to hear about you and stuff so We'll be right back. All right. All right, you guys. You need oil for your bike? I got a promo code that's going to save you 25% on some of the market's best oils. It's blood lubricants. The promo code is DIRT. Go check those guys out at bloodlubricants.com. Get some premium racing oil to protect your machine. This stuff's awesome. Go check them out. We are back with the Henge. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, anyways, so um, we were talking a little bit about Baja and all that stuff. Uh, what about the rallies? Did you ever go down there and do the Baja rallies? I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, I've done a few Baja rallies. Um, really, really fun events. Uh, just try to you know do those to uh, just a different type of racing. So I've I've, I've done a few of those. Yeah. Um, Scotty Broman, uh, and his crew down there, you know, puts, puts on a pretty cool event and, uh, I think everybody should try it for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about that. How'd you do, or 
did, was it not your forte or would you rather have done the Baja 1000 or? Oh um, man, you know, to be honest, I loved rallies. Um, I really, you know, I loved it. Uh, first time I went down there, um, I used a Baja or a, let's see, what did I have? It was a two, it was like a replica. It was a HRC kit from 2007 or six, I think full fairing, you know, uh, big gas tank, side tanks. The thing held like 11 gallons of fuel. I mean, it's a full <laughs> deck car bike. And that was the first year I went down there. I used that and uh, had a good time. Um, had a couple, you know, learning experiences. Um, ended up third there um, because I screwed up. Uh, <laughs> that, that bike had a down pipe on it, obviously um for that year uh because of all the fuel and stuff and uh, i ended up we you know one of the second to last day i think it was we were you know following our route and uh, the road book and we're on the beach and uh we came into where the water i don't know what you'd call it but it was like an inlet where the water would go inland and Mm. had a big storm so it was high tide and the pool of water was deep eight feet deep maybe or you know because the water's going in and out um so i had to find a way to go around and i was the first one to try and find it and i was going up this bog and uh i let off one too many times and it sucked water into the carburetor and stuff like that so we had to sit there and a lot of guys though because the road book was kind of messed up and uh a few guys stayed and hung out with us and um or with me i should say and helped me get going and pull my bike out of the mud bog because they were coming the same way and they're like well shoot man you found it so we'll help you and uh they got their time credited back which was cool and uh um it was just a really cool experience everybody kind of grouped together like rally guys do and off-road guys do and helping me to get going back on the trail again. And, uh, we ended up, you know, only had to go about another 30 miles for the day. Uh, and that was a good learning experience, but I, you know, ended up third at that rally. And then, uh, I came back the next year and, um, I won it two more times in the dirt bike class or an off-road in the bike class. And then I came back the next year, um, with, a good friend of mine, uh, Brian Harris with Master Fabrication, built me a rally UTV. And uh, yeah. we went down there with that with, with another you know, good friend of mine as my uh, right-hand man and as my co-driver, Manny Vienna. But the, diff, the thing of it was, was Manny wasn't my navigator. I was still navigating mm-hmm. and driving. So I had all the switches for the road book for the odometers, everything on the steering wheel. So I did everything myself. And while we were racing, I was teaching Manny how to navigate. (laughs) (laughs) So if we ever did it again, you know, he uh, could read a road book and figure out what switches, you know, to, 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 to make sure your odometers and your, you know, um, degree finder, you know, all that was, was correct. So, Mm. you know, it was really, really cool experience. Um, I ended up, at that race on the the UTV, I ended up winning overall. I beat all the bike guys as well. Wow! Um, so that was kind of something they weren't very they weren't expecting, um, and uh, it was pretty awesome. So it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, that is cool. But yeah, it was fun. I mean, you know, you go to you go and race stuff, you know, that you've seen before during a Baja race, and then there's stuff that uh, you've never seen while racing. I mean, I've you know, you've never seen it while racing in Baja. You're going through stuff that they'd get special permission from, and just really, really cool scenery. And uh, I thought it was a really fun event. Hmm. Nice. So did that ever pause? Did it ever cross your mind? Maybe to go to Dakar? Yeah, I wanted to go to Dakar. Um, I actually worked with Johnny Campbell and uh, for a couple of years, helping him um, do endurance testing on their uh, rally bikes, like what uh, Ricky Brabeck is riding. Um, uh-huh. I did that for a couple of years with them and uh, I was trying to go to Dakar, but Dakar is really to do it right. It's really expensive. And <laughs> it just was just got to be just too much at the time. So I never got to go because to do it right. Uh-huh. I mean, you need to, yeah, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you need to do it <laughs> just like, HRC is doing it if you know what I mean if you want a chance to be you know top 10 you know right I was thought I was gonna go I I put in an entry and then I just couldn't come up with the rest of the money because it it costs a lot of money yeah we had uh Skylar Howes on our show a couple episodes ago and he was telling his us his story about selling everything and doing fundraisers to get over there yeah. He said it's roughly he says it's roughly a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. By the it's, time it's, everything's said and done. Yeah, I, I my budget was a hundred and fifteen. Yeah. And yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, it just got crazy. And uh you know, we did I did the Sonoran rally once. That was fun. Um you know, there's a couple North American rallies that are really fun. Uh they're just I mean this sport would grow i think you'd get a lot more interest but to be honest they're really really expensive to do right you know you go to a rally and the entry fees thirty five hundred dollars i mean holy smokes you know <laughs> i mean yep. it's just right you know as we all know racing's expensive um but i mean it's just it's just really expensive so you know it it, it limits people right i think eric's doing a rally this year Aren't you? Well, yeah, we're looking at going down to the um, Nora, which is not a true, you know, the true rally with the road book and stuff. But we were looking at going down to Nora this year. The thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Nora is fun. I've done it several, several times. Yeah, that's what I hear. My teammates done it a couple uh, once, I think, and he said it was the funnest race he's ever done. So, yeah, it's... I'm looking forward to to doing that yeah it's uh you know we, you all go down there or you know we all go down there to have fun and we're racing and we're reading they do have road books um we're reading okay. road books and you know training and doing all that and having fun and you get to the finish line and guess what you get a nice cold beer from them, as much as you want <laughs> and it, but it's just a different element though like you know all these years of going to baja and you you know, I never drink. I mean, yeah, you drink at the finish line or you drink that night at the, you know, when you have a party or something, but I never really, I never drink, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, right. Now, yeah, I'll drink a beer. <laughs> but then you didn't. <laughs> so now still going to like Nora, uh, 
even though even now you know you you finish the race and you drink a beer you're like yeah that that's refreshing and that's rewarding and it's cool you know and you get up and it's six days or five or six days long and you do it every day and every well at least in the past everybody was there at the finish line and there's a big dinner every night usually and it's just yeah it's pretty cool just a fun atmosphere cool cool vibe huh? yeah Nora's cool man and uh, i've done it a few times i think i've done it three or four times on a dirt bike and then i was able to do it uh in 2019 yeah at the nora 500 they did their nora 500 i did that in a side-by-side with my good buddies over at master fabrication and uh we had a blast i mean a blast so yeah that's rad it's just it's it's a cool environment so yeah if you're if you're going to that you're gonna have a you're gonna have a kick-ass time and you're gonna go to all the cool places along the you know all the way down the peninsula Mm. i guess my bucket list is getting bigger (laughs) (laughs) but it's and it's relaxing i mean yeah it can get real competitive that's all based on you you know what i mean you can go what's cool about Nora, you can go as fast as you want. <laughs> Cause it's more about right, the yeah. ride and the and the nostalgic more it is than racing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, go down, have a good time. Yep. Yeah, it's probably the most family, you know, not not I guess that's the wrong term, but family friendly race there is because everyone's just having a good time, everybody. Even the chase crews aren't racing down the highways trying to kill themselves to make sure they get you fuel. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just more relaxed atmosphere. Right on. So let's talk bike setup. What, uh, how did you like your bikes? Did you prefer your suspension more stiff, more soft and like controls and stuff? Talk a little bit about how you like your bike setup. Um, I like my bike, like, uh, just actually it depended on the race we were going to. Are you talking now or? back then um back then let's talk all right back then it just would depend on the race course we um uh johnny and i were probably around 20 pounds difference so the bike setup was relatively easy um san felipe per se in the thousand we'd go with a stiffer uh setting uh, more of a stiffer spring rate setting than than we would say the 500, um, just because of the bigger bumps in San Felipe and at the thousand because over time um, it'll fatigue a little bit, so it kept the ride height up and kept the suspension you know fresher per se. Um, yep. You know controls. Uh, we always ran the you know the Renthal fat bar. Um, Scott steering dampener, you know, and precision concept suspension. Um, and that bike was always set up with pro circuit exhaust. Um, we'd always run, uh, let's see, we'd run stock, stock, uh, controls. Um, we, we'd have works connection perches, but stock, you know, levers. Mm-hmm. Um, We'd run stock wheels and hubs. We never went aftermarket. Um, there was a reason to that. The reason would be like a, our wheels would be DID. Um, they would bend. Yes, they would bend, but they won't crack and they won't blow out. Mm. So you could get to the next pit and get a wheel change without destroying your wheel and be broken on the side of the course. 
with a broken hub because back then all the aftermarket hubs and those big bikes, you know, they're real brittle per, per the cask uh, DID hub or stock OEM hub. Hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. You'd rather have it bend than break. Yeah. You're still mobile. Yeah. And then we'd always run, you know, at the beginning, we'd run tubes front and rear. And then towards the end, we'd run two uh, moose in the front on the 650 and then a rear tube. Because back in the day, we'd melt the mooses in the 650s if we tried to run them. (laughs) They just wouldn't hold up? Yeah, they wouldn't hold up. They'd just get too hot. The friction would get too hot. That's crazy. You know, now, you know, and then as the time went on, you know, now you're running mooses front and rear. So it's just technology. Right, right. But our bikes were pretty much, you know, stocked. As much stock parts as they could, they were built strong enough. Awesome. What about motor-wise? Were they, like, doing some special stuff to the motors, or was it pretty pretty standard? Uh, the motors were pretty standard. We'd run a – excuse me one minute. <coughs> Man. Uh, motors were, were pretty uh, real light poly, uh, real light porting. They uh, HRC cam stock piston. That was our always our go-to. There were times we built big bikes for, like, say, the Parker 425 or 250, I should say. You know, we'd build a big bore for that or something, uh, mainly just for top-end speed. But our go-to was uh, HRC cam, stock stock piston, so we had stock compression, a little porting on the head, of course, jetting, and that was it. Hmm. And those bikes would go, you know. 115 wow 112 you know just depend on the hook the traction as well what was your gearing like do you remember what gearing you guys were running i want to say we would run a 1547 on xr 650 yeah Mm. and we'd run that same gearing on the uh, 450x as well I'm sitting over here looking at Eric and his his gears are turning because I think he's prepping his own bike, talking to you for <laughs> when he goes down there. <laughs> uh, for Nora? No, just for yeah, in general, just for riding Mexico and uh, we're we're getting so we're getting ready to go to the Parker 250 this weekend yep. down in Arizona. We'll be down there, and then weekend after that, we'll be out in uh, Laughlin for the legacy race. In fact, Donald just texted me. I told him we were on the podcast with you. He says, Oh, ask him about the hair scrambles. <laughs> I, I told him you were thinking about coming. He got all excited. Yeah, so. we actually, I'm not kidding. That was a, that was conversation today during our mountain bike ride. Now you got to show up, come see Donald. He's pretty stoked. Yeah, no, maybe we will have to show up on uh, my boys. Two That's all we have right now. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> where are you guys living at now are you in california or arizona i'm living in arizona we are we're living in arizona now oh, okay yeah we're we, have a sewer no we live so so back in the day before uh you know before 
I stopped racing full time on bikes, we had purchased uh, motorcycle dealerships in Nevada or in Arizona. Oh. And then when I stopped racing full time, then I moved to Arizona uh, to start running them with my brother. And then okay. uh, that was uh, we started in Flagstaff, Arizona, is where we started our first couple dealerships. And then uh, we uh, we sold the that one uh, <clears throat> about a <clears throat> about a year and a half ago. And so now I move in. Uh, I moved to North Phoenix. Mm. <clears throat> awesome. So yeah, we go to Havasu a lot. <clears throat> we have a family home there, so we spend a lot of time there. And there's amazing riding there as well. Yeah. But we live really close to the race uh, where Works is racing at this weekend. We live about ten minutes away. Oh, okay. From the Peoria. Yeah, we live uh, east of there. So, okay. We got up on Highway 74. Very cool. Uh, yeah. What was your favorite bike of, out of all your years of riding, racing? Favorite bike, year, make, model, if you have one? Well, I still ride a 09 450X to this day. So I'd have to say, you know, probably the 450X from Honda. Just my yeah. favorite all-around bike. I mean, that was a good year, good bike. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same bike from 06 to, I think it was 17. I think it was the same mm-hmm. exact bike. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I mean, I rode all the rally stuff on a 450X, um, you know, a lot of Boss stuff. <clears throat> I've always owned a Honda. Um, when we came back to ride Baja in uh, or Cowies in the Baja, you know, in I think it was '09. Um, they were good bikes, but you know, from my everyday trail ride bike or Baja bike to go trail riding long distance or whatever, I, I go to the 450X. Nice. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. So do you, are you still racing or are you done or do you hit one every once in a while or, you know, that's been a big done? topic to, for people. I haven't raced a dirt bike since, uh, since Nora a few years ago. And then, but I, you know, I race, um, uh, I'm currently with the last three years, I've been with a team cops racing out of California, racing, uh, trucks with John Langley and Zach Langley. And, um, you know, that's kind of the only racing I'm doing right now. Uh, okay. Keeps me busy enough. Well, the COVID thing kind of slowed everything down, but <clears throat> as far as bike racing, I don't really, you know, I just focus on my son racing and right. I want to get out there sometimes at some of the Grand Prix that he's at and stuff and go ride. But then I go, you know, if I start doing it, then I want to, I'm going to have to start training because I know that, I'm going to be wanting to go a lot faster than what my body will let me, if that makes any sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, you get older and you just kind of, eh, you know, I mean, before, you know, when you're younger, you're in shape and you're working out and you're riding all the time. And then you go to not riding a lot or whatever over the last two years or whatever. And I don't know. It's just then you realize how much hard work it is to be at the top, you know, or at least be in shape to give it a good effort, you know. 
Right, right. So I've been trying. Do you to, miss it? Yeah, oh yeah, I miss it. I talked to my try and talk myself into getting in shape the last year and a half, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> my new year, my New Year's resolution was to get in shape this year to go start racing some Grand Prix with at you know at the events my son's already at. So uh, nice. maybe go race the forty class, you know, with uh, with Johnny and all those guys in that class at a Grand Prix or something. But I don't want to go out there and look like an idiot. I mean, that's just not my style. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard when you, you know, you know what it takes to, you know, how much work it takes to put in, and you've been there. You know what it takes to win, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and it's oh. been nice to kind of just hang out and not really do anything. Yeah. I mean, I try and pedal a lot, but it's not riding shape, if you know what I mean. And, um, you know, New Year's resolution was to ride a lot more with my son during the week because uh, he's riding all the time. Um, and instead of just going to the track and watching them and doing lap times, then maybe I should bring my bike and go ride with them as well for a little while. So yeah. that's what I'm working on. Very yeah. cool. Memories, man. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of like, like obviously your son, Drayson, what advice would you have to a new racer that's just getting into racing or possibly going down to Baja for the first time? What, what kind of advice would you give? that new guy or girl but first if it's their like first time to go start racing um always remember to have fun uh and you know keep it fun uh for as long as you can because it you know right it can get real serious obviously um but like your and then like the first time to baja take it as a learning experience go go learn baja um and enjoy it and just you know look around don't just go to baja to race baja and just look straight down the course um take your time you know give yourself time to be able to pre-run it correctly because uh, you're just going to help yourself in the long run whether you don't race it again but still like to ride down there um, you'll remember a lot more of it. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is if you, you know, say you go down there and you go, pre, you'll go, you want to race the ball in thousand and you go race the ball in thousand, but you don't, like I say, you don't slow down enough during the pre-running to really like take it all in. And then you do your race, you pre-run twice, say you do your race and you happen to finish. Then and you want to take your friends down there, you're going to go down there not really knowing where you're at. So you always need to like know your surroundings and know where you're at in Baja. And then you'll be able to have a good time with the rest of your life. That's cool. Great advice. Yeah. Very cool. What about close calls? Did you have any close calls racing down there? Oh, oh yeah. I've hit a cow. Um, You know, smacked it right in the side i flew off the bike luckily luckily enough i landed i was in a sand wash so you know i was sore and bruised like groin and stuff but i didn't break anything and i was able to get up and pick up my bike and it was during pre-running um so you know got the bike got it back to the truck because the forks were all bent and everything so that was one instance i've hit 
Where was the was the cow's eyes not reflective and you couldn't see it? Yeah, yeah you know what the crazy <laughs> thing was during the day, right? Right. Like how can I not see a cow? But it was in a, a wash, it was a two track wash on each sides of the track was these really tall toolies. And I'm just cruising up the road, probably 45, 50. And the thing, I couldn't, even, I did, it jumped out of the bushes so fast, I didn't even hit the brakes. And wow. the next thing I remember is I hit a cow, I'm rolling around in the sand, and I'm break, like trying to duck and cover because I don't know where the cow's at. And I don't want to start kicking me <laughs> or whatever. But I remember I get up and the cow's laying there, and then the cow pops up all on four legs and darts back into the bushes. And I go back and pick up my bike. (laughs) But during a during a race as well, I you know I've I wouldn't say I ran into the cars, but it's so dusty in Ojos Negros on these rollers, these infamous Ojos Negros jumps things. They're so dusty, um, you couldn't see nothing. So I slowed way down, and uh, next thing I know, it I'm in between two cars. One car's going with me. One car's coming at me. And my handlebars are dragging on their windows. That's how dusty it was. <laughs> so that was pretty scary, yeah. But other than that, that's that's about it. I mean, you know, we've had some crazy races, you know, back in the day when you could haul, haul ass down the pavement with no speed limits and stuff and – uh you split semis doing a hundred miles an hour and things like that. And Johnny Campbell and I have a good race. We're in 2000 Baja 500. We're racing for the overall. He's on the A team. I'm on the B team and we are racing for the lead. And I started behind him. So he had to pass us and make up, you know, 30 seconds or something. And we are on the highway from, uh, Santa Tomas to Europan, and we were going down the highway as fast as those bikes would go on the yellow line. And th- this is before the down, down there right now, it's really wide. And before it was just a two lane highway with no shoulder. And I tucked and he tucked in behind me and we split semi. We were passing a semi and a semi was coming at us at over a hundred miles an hour on the yellow line in the middle. And it was nuts. And we get done with the race. I ended up winning the race by 15 seconds for the overall. And he comes up to me and he says, you know, that's the stuff we don't tell our wives about. <laughs> yeah, and That's all you can say about because it, it was so gnarly. But neither no, one of us were going to chop the throttle, if you know what I mean. Like, you just get in that zone right. and, uh, you know, <laughs> each, each yep. one of you has the eye on the prize. That's for sure. Think about it later when it's over. Yep. yep. <laughs> and he was the first one to think about it. And he goes, Hinge, that's that's the stuff we don't tell our wives about. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> They'd freak out. <laughs> if we actually think about it more than 30 seconds, we'll start freaking out. Right. But, you know, just that, that's just a crazy thing, you know. So I got a question from an Instagram uh, post. It's chagler340. How do you just keep going or how do you just keep going in the dust? How do you push through the dust? Well, depends on where you're at in the dust. If you know the course or, I mean, you slow down, you, 
depends on how thick the dust is. I mean, if it's dust where you can't see past your handlebars, then you better slow down um, and just <laughs> figure it, you know, try and get out of it. Like if you're at a, uh, like a district race or a Moran race or something, um, if you can get out of it, then try and get out of it. Uh, if you're in like Baja and it's just so thick and you're stuck, um, you need to just go as fast as you feel comfortable, but, but try and look and try and figure out where you're at in that dust. Um, that's a real hard question, but that's what I would always Sometimes do. you got to be paid. Yeah, sometimes you got to be patient in the dust. You got to be patient. Right? Yeah, and the same thing goes for fog. Um, you know, it's the same type of type of circumstance, and you, and you you just got to ride to where you ride to that line to where you're not comfortable, but you're not overriding, but you're right on that line of comfortable and uncomfortable, because you got to remember the guy behind you has to do the same thing. So if you can just keep pushing as, you know, not wide open, because that ain't going to happen. You just end up hurting yourself. But if you can just kind of be patient, but yet go to where you're right at that fine line, then you'll, you should be okay. Should be. Cool. <laughs> Cross your fingers and yep. toes. <clears throat> but yeah, if you can get out of it, get try and get out of it. So another one, uh, your three best tips to going fast on a dirt bike. What can you tell our listeners to how to go fast? Uh, look up, stand up, like keep look. You have your eyes look up. You know, look ahead of you. The terrain. Stand mm-hmm. up and scan in between. Look up and then scan back. Look up, scan back. So you're constantly scanning your course. But I'm talking like a hundred yards or more. Mm-hmm. Look way, way ahead. ahead. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So when you're on a bike, what do you think about what what's going through Henge's mind or whatever when he's on the bike? Is it... Well, when you're racing, and I'm just yeah. thinking about I <clears throat> I used to uh, cut my sections down in into little sections per se. So I wouldn't get on a bike and be thinking about, you know, be 400 miles from La Paz and I wouldn't be thinking about La Paz. I'd be thinking about the first 25 miles. Okay, I'm going to get to this water crossing. Boom, okay, I got to there. So then you get to that, like from leaving Loretto, there's a lot of water crossings, you know, you you pick one. And then from there you go, okay, we're going going to Insurgentes. And then I would race race that section. And then I go Insurgentes to San Miguel Highway. I'd race that section. You break it. You break your big section up into little sections, so you can keep focused. <clears throat> wow, That's what I would do. Awesome. And then you know, just try and stay as focused as you can. Don't be thinking about that cheeseburger or that cold beer at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to get distracted, or lose, and maybe not even get distracted, but lose focus when you're on the bike. It's easy to to zone off and. I mean, did you, did you have anything that helped you stay focused? I mean, did you? No, I mean, we just, you know, you just, uh, your nutrition before you got on the bike, you know, the day before and the time before you got on the bike, just make sure you're ready because you won't eat nothing for hours, you know, could be anywhere from, I mean, just any time periods, you just, 
you have your water pack on you. Maybe when you come into a pit and they're doing going to do a wheel change, you have maybe a minute to scarf down a you know a power bar or something, or maybe an orange or pieces of fruit or or a gel pack or something and a water or some or, you know uh, some electrolyte. But I mean, pretty much you just I I couldn't eat a lot before I raced. I'd I'd carb I'd fuel up the day before, but the day of a race it was so hard to eat that I just made sure I had most of my stuff the day before. Cool. Who's been yeah. your biggest influence from the time you started to now, or when you stopped racing? Who's that one person, if there is just one, that's been your biggest influence riding or racing? My biggest influence? Who did you look up to? Well, there's a (laughs) lot. But, I mean, I always looked up to my dad, you know what I mean? Um, From, you know, he got me into it. He used to be a racer. That's why I wanted, you know, just, you know, not very, he wasn't professional or anything. I mean, he was like, got up to the expert class, but you know, wasn't like an overall guy or anything like that, but just him and, you know, he, in the early days, just, or even into my, when I was with, you know, all my, you know, up until basically I retired, I mean, he was always there for me and he always gave me good input. And, you know, so I I think he's probably my big influence, Um, you know, just because he was, he, he tried to guide me in the right direction and he had a lot of input. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I have tons of you know people that have always been there for me, and you know have always just you know I'd be down or hurt or whatever, and they'd always bring me up, you know, or always had faith in me, if you will. You know, yeah. right? That's cool. So. Did you and Johnny, did you guys play a, a big role in the development, bike development for Honda during that time? I mean, it went from the 650s to the 450 during your era. So what was your guys' role in bike so development? So we would get little bits and pieces of, like, say, when the 450X and the 250X were coming out. Um, that was mainly, you know, that was Bruce's job at Honda. Um and then we'd get bits and pieces and, and then apply them to the racing side of it. So they had their own testing guys, like for the 450R and, and the X and stuff. But, you know, sometimes Bruce would bring out the X when it was in development for us to try. And then we'd, okay, it needs, we think it needs this or that. Um, but a lot of what we tested you know, like on the 650, they'd apply it to the 450X, you know, at at the, how would I say this, at the factory or wherever they're, you know, at the designing of the bike. Um, and Bruce had a lot, I mean, Bruce was the guy on that. I mean, those were like all his motorcycles. So he'd take <laughs> what we'd learn on the 650 and apply it, you know, certain things to the 450. And then, you know, he'd have to say, you know, then he'd get a production, not a production, but a pre-production bike and there are a couple of times we got to ride them and give our input, you know, on certain things. But, you know, right you know there's just so much involved in coming out with a new motorcycle that, um, you know, 
we were just racers. Yeah, we'll test whatever. We'll ride whatever. <laughs> we'll do, you know, but Bruce, right. was the product, yeah. <laughs> Bruce was the product development guy for sure. Very cool. Well, moving on a little bit. Um, what's this Hinge Adventures? Do you guys have like an adventure deal? Or so Hinge Adventures or? is a thing um, I've put together. Um, I've always done trail rides in Mexico. Um, just with people, they call me, want to take a group of their friends down, and I'd set it all up for them and do like a, a trail guide for them. Set up a lot of cool rides. I do that. Okay. So I actually came up. So I've been doing that for probably 2001 and um, been just, you know, just kind of low key, um, just word of mouth, still same type of thing. So then I decided to make more of a business name out of it. So the hinge ventures is the same type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so we still do trail rides. We do side-by-side stuff, um, guided tours. We do dirt bike guided tours, Mexico, Arizona, California, Utah. Um, and it's just cool. mainly, I mean, I haven't done any advertising for it because I'm still kind of, I don't do them all the time. It's more of a kind of a, right now it's kind of a quarterly thing, which is fine with me. Um, keeps it fun that way. Uh, and I got to, right. you know, but if, if, if there's more people interested and they want to do something cool and put to, you know, want to do a ride, but they don't know where to go and just want me, you know, just want to show up with their gear bag and their bike or their side by side and let me lead them and their friends on a cool, you know, however many, you know, two day thing for however long I'm down for that. Um, you know, like Hmm. we have one coming up in, in, in March, this will be the fifth. This is these, uh, gentlemen's, uh, it's a group of buddies. They've known each other since they were kids. Uh, this is their sixth year um that we've done it the same weekend or you know that same time frame for the last six years and we go to mexico every year that's where they like to go so i set up a different ride every year and we go for that that, that sounds amazing that one's five days <laughs> yeah, they awesome. do a five there so, yeah oh, pretty cool. awesome. so we you know they show up we all meet we cross the border um depend you know sometimes we, we leave the trucks at the border and we ride across in Takati um and, you know and then we have a chase truck obviously with all their bags and everything or we all just cross the border if we're going depending on what we're going to ride that year or you know with, with this particular group and you know we may drive down to El Rosario or Ensenada and drop the trucks off there and then leave from there you know just it's different all the time and it's pretty much People just tell me what they want or how many days they want to go and depends on their skill level and, you know, all that stuff plays a part. Um, you know, it's really cool, but we do it side by sides as well. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. Very but like cool. I said, we've done rides in Utah, uh, you know, in page, we start in page Arizona on some of them and go up into Utah and then we've done, you know, California stuff out in Randsburg, things like that. Sounds amazing. When are we going? Tell me. Let's go. <laughs> and I do them in time. During the week. Weekend, sounds like you just whatever. invited us. <laughs> I'll let you guys know when we're going back out uh, there. Yeah. 
me and Ashley are getting married in later this year. Maybe we'll oh, make that our go. honeymoon. There you go. Does she <laughs> want to go to Kaja or to Lafage to do a, a, a bike ride from, you know, all the way down the peninsula for your honeymoon? Then you could fly. Then you could fly home. There you and we'll go. Take your bikes home. <laughs> Only if I could be your best man. Yeah, <laughs> I want to go. Uh, no, that sounds awesome, dude. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And uh, what what else are you doing now? I mean, you're chasing the kids to races, and what's life? Yeah, we're just uh, you know um, got a couple little things in the works, doing some real estate stuff, and uh, you know, just staying busy. Um, would like to yeah. you know just just try to keep it fun and try not try to try and keep as less stress as possible. You guys still so have the bike we shop? sold the one in Flagstaff, but we do still have one in Prescott, Arizona. Okay. Um, it's called okay. Star Island Motorsports. Um, we sell pretty well. We sell all the major brands uh, except Yamaha and Husqvarna. So you know, we mm. were a KTM only store. We didn't take on the Husky part or the you know new gas gas stuff, just because. motorcycle dealerships are kind of weird so even though husky's owned by ktm and and, you know gas gas and stuff if you're a ktm dealer you got to take take certain product if you're a husky dealer you got to take certain product well for instance you're a ktm dealer and you know they want you to you you got to take you know 1050s you know 685s blah 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 right well you got to do the same for husky too right so really, you'd have like a ton of like mm. mini bikes per se that you maybe your store's not big on selling mini bikes. You know what I mean? You can get rid of you know yeah. you could sell this many, but can you sell this many? You know, it's just it's just a hard it's just a hard thing. So we elected just to keep our KTM dealership there, which we've had there for 15 years, and have not brought on you know Husqvarna because we didn't per se want to double up. Right. But, yep. but yeah, so we have cool. Well, maybe I'll have to give you a call when we're when we're deciding yeah. to go orange. And then we do we sell side by sides as well, Can Am, Polaris, obviously, you know, um, all that stuff as well. So, and right now, I mean, motorsports is uh, cool. over this whole COVID thing. It's kind of blown out of the water, which is nice to see. Um, you know, the motorsports industry, motorcycle industry needed that boost uh, for everyone across the country yes. um it's just you know it's nice to see that so i hope it it stays we do you know it's going to slow down a little bit i hope it's hope it keeps some of the momentum because i think it's good for everybody to get out and experience life and enjoy the outdoors absolutely yeah that's awesome no heck oh and I think we've almost okay. gone through everything. You got anything else, Eric? No, just uh, is there anything that we didn't ask? Any stories or anything that we didn't ask that you want to no, share? No, I think you're good. You know, um, if you think of more, cool. maybe in six months you can have me on again. You know, or when I go. Like, yeah. yeah, I think this is a good start. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on here. It's an honor. And uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. We're honored to have you. Yeah, thank you as well. Appreciate your time.
maybe we'll uh if we show up to peoria um sunday we'll come swing by yeah and come see us hand. we're the uh chaparral precision concepts kawasaki race team um that's that's our you know that's the team my son's on and um yeah easy to find the big bright green uh trailer yeah i saw the bike sitting there okay. when we went to have got it yep. a couple weeks ago right. so yeah well, good deal cool well if i don't see you uh maybe all right steve well yeah, yeah, come on. Probably. That'd be cool. It would be Hopefully fun to see you out sure. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll all right, guys. see you soon, night. hopefully. Heck yeah. All right, bye-bye. All, all right, right, thank you. Later. This episode's race date segment is brought to you by our buddy Nate Adams at Recreation Tires. Nate has given us a promo code to pass on to you, our listeners. Go to RecTires.com. Dot com and with every order Nate will give you 10% off your purchase just type in desert dirt biker at checkout it's that simple thanks rec tires it is now that time of the show for race date segment <clears throat> first off I want to let you guys know please please with the way the world is make sure you're checking the websites and the dates because there has been a lot of changes. And if you're writing it on the calendar, use a pencil. <laughs> um, anyways, let's go through some dates for the rest of this month. Um, this coming weekend, 18th through the 21st, Best in the Desert, Parker 250, Round 1. Anyways, we'll all be there. Ashley and Erica racing. And hope to see a bunch of people out there. Shake some hands. Come up and say hi. Uh, moving over to the 20th, 21st, same weekend, is the works race, round two. It has been moved from Blythe, California to Peoria, Arizona. Um, what's the name of that raceway, Ashley? Peoria? Yeah. Um, Peoria? Canyon. Canyon. Yeah, Canyon. Canyon Raceway. Canyon Raceway. Anyways, um, Ashley and I may even hit that on Sunday Depends on how she does after the Best in Desert race. Uh, moving on to the 23rd. Is that the right date, Ashley? I think you have the wrong date on there. The District 37 Heron Hound Red Mountain, round two. 23rd is like a Monday or Tuesday. Anyways. Uh, Ashley's going to look that up real quick for us. I'll come back to that. On the 27th, District 37, PCW. And also on the 27th, the uh, USRA St. George Round 2. I think, is that the Rhino Rally or no? Rhino Rally is here making a decision for the that is. 27th, so that's the Rhino Rally. And I saw somebody post the other day that their entries are full. I guess they're only allowed 300. Yeah, those entries fill up really quick. You got to get in early on that one. So, so anyways, did we get a date on that other one, Ash? It was a 38. <clears throat> huh? 38? District 38? 37. Oh. Okay. Heron Hound Red Mountain Round 2. Yeah. Maybe it is. We have a typo. Anyways, uh, Heron Hound Red Mountain Round 2. 
loading. Dot, oh. dot. Anyways, um, again, make sure you guys check your websites um, for your calendars. Things are always changing. I wish we'd get over this whole thing, but uh, anyways, we're stalling. We're on the venture back to normalcy, hopefully. Yes. So get out. Yep. Make it to a race. These are your race dates segment. So get while we're waiting on that, race. what you're racing this weekend, Eric? Tell us about that. Who are you teaming up with, or what? Yeah. So we'll be we'll be out in Parker at the Parker 250, best in the desert. Um, myself, Tyler Harvey, and Damon Bush racing the Open Expert Class again this year. Um, Defending your championship. The, be running the red plates. Yep. Pretty stoked on that. So uh, looking forward to that. My bike is um, <laughs> needs a cylinder put on it and suspension mounted back up. It's Tuesday night. I'm feeling a little bit stressed, so I should be in the shop right now. But I'm recording a podcast for you guys. So but no, I'm. Uh, I'll have a bike back together tomorrow, and then I got Thursday to well tomorrow afternoon and Thursday to do some testing, and we'll be out there for for Parker. So we'll be there. And then the following week, we're going to go down to Laughlin and do the legacy, uh, the inaugural motorcycle race for legacy. Um, Donald Jackson's doing that series and he's bringing back the Laughlin, the historic Laughlin race down there, some good Laughlin single track. So I would try and make that one if you can, that should be a really fun event. Um, been messaging back and forth with him and they're working diligently on that, and uh, he says it's going to be a good, good event. So sweet. Check it out. We will be there also. Okay, District Thirty-Seven, February twenty-eighth at Spangler Hills. It's a national, or it's a here in town. Twenty-eighth, so it's a it's an eight instead of a three. Copy that. All right. Hope you guys heard that. We'll get them written down correctly for next. Again, yeah, just like Corndog said, make you sh make sure you're checking your calendar because things are changing pretty quick. But we're trying to stay on top of it every week, give you race dates that are coming up. And what else we got, Corndog? That is it for this month. That's it. So um, we will see you at the races. Hey, go check out theantlerchew.com. They source organic, fresh deer and elk antler. Dogs love to chew on antlers. They're healthy. They won't splinter and make a mess like other chews. Go check them out, theantlerchew.com. For a discount code, use promo code OFFROAD. All right, everybody. It's time for the tip of the show brought to you by Throw Me a Bone. Go check those guys out at theantlerchew.com. Appreciate their support. And... Uh, all right, tip of the show tonight is going to be on motor rebuilds, break-in procedure, and um, how do we break in a bike after a fresh motor because that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> so I felt like it was a, a good topic. Um, this one can be controversial. It can be uh, opinionated. A lot of people have different opinions on it. This is just my opinion. This is what I do. Um you know, a lot of what I do, I've gotten from mechanic friends within the motorcycle industry who have seen 
motors and scene braking procedures but um, anyway basically uh, you know I get the, the motor rebuilt fresh motor on it um, follow your dirt bike manual if there's any guidelines on braking procedures from the from the manual um, I recommend you follow those but uh, again this is my opinion this is what I do so when I get a fresh motor rebuild I'm going to use a non-synthetic oil in the bike um, this allows the bike the the rings on the piston to seat and the valve seats to seat and seal well um, <clears throat> but uh, use a non-synthetic oil that's a you know they make break-in oils for for engines so um, I'm gonna use a Maxima break-in oil on this next um, build and I'm going to do a couple of heat cycles on the bike and so what that means is I'll start the bike I'll let the bike idle for 10 or so minutes until the engines warm um, I don't want to overheat it but I want to get it good and warm so the rings have a chance to seat and then after 10 to 15 minutes on uh, idle I'll let it cool um, cool down completely so probably like take about 30 30 to 45 minutes to cool and then I'm gonna do that cycle again I'm gonna heat cycle it again a second time let it get good and warm and then uh, let it fully cool and then at that point I'm gonna go out and ride it <clears throat> I'm gonna cycle through the gears just kinda you know changing throttle position uh, RPM positions you know and, and cycle the engine through um, and I'm gonna run as close to a tank of gas through it as I can then I'm gonna come back roughly after an hour or two of riding I'm gonna come back I'm gonna change the braking oil out do an oil change a filter change put a fresh filter and a fresh um, synthetic oil in it and then I'm gonna go ride it like I stole it so that's my process that's my procedure um, it's worked well for me and and uh, so if you're looking for that tip with a fresh motor try that out good luck and that's the tip of the show thanks for tuning in guys have a good night hey just had a special call into the show um donald jackson from legacy how you doing donald uh great how are you guys doing awesome well what what brings you to the show you, you got uh talk to us about your first uh dirt bike legacy race yeah our first uh race coming up dirt bikes and quads uh held in laughlin um so uh that'll be february 26th 27th and uh it's gonna be the single track stuff for the dirt bikes and narrow course for the quads so you'll see a really technical course um there in the laughlin hills similar to what was ran you know in the uh, late 2000s with uh you know, with, with Casey promoting those events. Cool. Yeah. Cool. We're really excited about that, Donald. We're super stoked to be coming back down to the, that area in Laughlin. And, you know, we were on the show tonight talking to Steve about that area and he brought up, you know, racing down there and what a good time it was. So Steve yeah, 
historically the event's seen some very talented riders. Some of the best riders in the sport of off-road desert racing have competed head-to-head in that event. And uh, there's been some great battles. And the last year that was run, uh, 2014, David Pearson and Matt Gosnell had teamed up together and they won it overall. Um, but I think it was like by seven seconds. I mean, it was a very tight battle. And, mm. uh, and Steve himself has won it a couple of times, you know, riding for, for the Honda factory. And so, uh, we're super stoked to bring that style format back to the, to the racing community and be in for our first event. And then we put a little spin on it as well. We have, uh, youth races that are going to take place. So something different we're going to do with our youth, the 85 CC class, we're going to run that as a team style event as well. So, um, you can sign up as a team, you know, two riders on a, on the bike and they'll do about a 10 mile course, do uh, six laps on it. And then if you don't have a, a riding partner you want to team up with, you can ride it solo. So Ironman and you'll do four laps on the 10 mile course. Hmm. Very cool. So, um, is, is it still, um, is there still time to sign up to race all classes? Yeah, absolutely. So we just did the drawing today uh, for the bike and quad community, and we had about 25 entries in the drawing. And uh, But you can still sign up online still at LegacyRacing.net. The sign-up's right there. Um, and then also you can uh, sign up the day before the event. So on the Friday, you can sign up and register right then. Uh, but if you're planning on doing that, you know, we just ask that you, you call it ahead or email us ahead so we can assign you a number. It makes your life easier and our life easier. Um, and that way, at least that part's taken care of. So you're not scrambling last minute. And another cool, exciting part to it is, uh, you know, we got a, a new sponsor for the event. Metro Print Nevada just uh, signed with us to be the title sponsor. And a uh, pretty interesting fact is Mark Lewis, owner of Metro Print, him and his wife uh, own that business. But he raced the events when they first came out in the early 90s. So he's nice. pretty stoked to be involved with it. That is very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Mark and Ann are, are good people. <laughs> oh, they're, they're the best, you know. And if you're looking for signs, banners, graphics, uh, decals on trucks, decals for your helmet, whatever it is, you, you can't beat Metro Print Nevada. They do phenomenal work, and they always deliver what they promise and usually go above and beyond. Very cool. Yeah, awesome. Well. If for those of you that are listening, man, get signed up for this one. This is one you don't want to miss. Um, get down there, Laughlin Hair Scrambles. It's going to be a good time. Donald's one of the top top notch race promoters, and uh, you know it's going to be well marked and and a good time. So, real quick, up. Donald. On sorry, um, real quick. If somebody just showed up on Saturday morning, are they able to sign up or? Uh, yeah, we, we, we would do it. Obviously, we would try and discourage that just because there's a, a process to go through and being a brand new sign up, um, just the time restraint. But we'd, we'd figure that out. You know, there's we're pretty flexible and we'll do whatever it takes to to get you in the event and, and work with you. So uh, to answer your question straight up, yes, we will get you signed up Saturday morning. We really, really prefer you to come Friday, but if that's what it takes, just let us know and we'll get it figured out. Okay. So get signed up now, guys. Um, don't beat around the bush. Don't have, uh, procrastinate. Let's go racing. Yeah. And if, uh, if you haven't had a chance to look at it, go onto our website, legacyracing.net. Um, there's a little video up there, a little preview of the course and 
uh, in there, you'll notice there's some cactus. So one reminder, if you're racing the vent or planning on racing the vent, bring uh, needle nose pliers, tweezers, uh, hair comb, because <laughs> when those those choyas latch on, man, they're hard to get out of you. So uh, you definitely want to do that. You don't want to use one hand to wipe it off. Then you got cactus in both hands. So make sure you got something to pull out those needles. Yeah, yeah. I've been on the the needle nose side of it pulling cactus out of somebody before yeah well you, you <laughs> might be doing that again i hear you have an entry in there yeah <laughs> better not <laughs> i'm talking about eric <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah you better be on your game thread the needle yeah, stay out of the cactus sure. yeah <laughs> out of the cactus in fact maybe i'll do the tip of the show tonight on uh, how to remove cactus yeah, <laughs> yeah. let me bring you a little cactus yeah. to to toss on you and we'll do that right there live hey 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 take it easy <laughs> no but yeah go check these guys out on their social media um their instagrams legacy racing uh association correct and go follow those guys on instagram you guys are on facebook too absolutely so yeah go check those guys out give them a follow and stay in the loop on their future events as well I know they got an awesome one coming up for um, the Baja Nevada and uh, and then uh, Cedar City for the motorcycles and stuff. So it's going to be a pretty awesome first season for you guys. We're, we're excited. I know you're excited. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're, we're super pumped. And I appreciate you guys uh, getting me on the show. I know uh, it's been a long day for everybody, but thanks for squeezing some minutes in so we could talk about our upcoming race to Metro Pent Laughlin you know, hair scrambles. Awesome. Yeah, you bet, buddy. We'll see you down there. Sounds good, guys. Couple weeks. Okay, thanks right. for coming on. You thanks, bet. buddy. You bet. Wow, we're coming to the end of the show. Great, um, great show. Yeah, want a uh, big thanks and kudos to um, Steve Henge, Hengeveld, for coming on. Uh, I know we've thanked you a bunch, but uh, thanks, man. Uh, appreciate it if you guys uh have listened to this show thanks for sticking by i know it's probably been a little longer but uh thanks for sticking it out and uh before we go let's talk a little bit uh the supercross the rocky mountain fantasy supercross yeah fantasy this year it's just man it's been crazy super hard to pick um yeah it's insane but in our little group sitting in first place is maddie b23 yeah, dude, Maddie B twenty three, Maddie B, you're killing it. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Yeah. Keep um, picking them. How where are you sitting at, Eric? Well, Maddie B, let's look at this. So he's ranked first in our group. He's ranked four forty one overall. So uh, pretty solid, dude. I know last week it was uh, this guy Otis Zombie six six six. Yeah, he was he's, he was like in the four hundreds or the two hundreds overall. Yeah, yeah, he dropped off a little bit this last week. He must have had a rough week, but. He's way in front of me, so. <laughs> well, you, um, you bumped up quite a bit in the group, Eric. Yeah, I made some moves this week. I had a good week. I think I scored like 78 or 9 points. I had three three riders right and then a couple in the Yeah, You're sitting in the top in 18th? Five, so. Yep. 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 You passed <clears throat> me up. <laughs> what do we got in our group? 50. 52. 52. So, yeah, so well let's uh let's talk about the race this week. I mean, highlights and uh what'd you guys think? Heck of a save, Barsha. Dude, 
How did Barsha say oh, that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Through the whoops, got off, hit the tough block. He's hanging off the back Superman style, catches his feet, somehow runs up the face of a jump. Looks back. Looks back at the dude behind him and, like, takes a triple hop remount and rides it out. Like, it was the craziest thing I he seen. Got, he found his wings. I yeah, I don't know how he saved I wonder that, what he was drinking. That was pretty rad. Props to him on the save of the race. Um, Who won the 250 class? Uh, Jet? Jet? Lawrence. Yep. That kid is has phenomenal talent. I mean... 16? 17 now? 17. Yeah. As long as he doesn't get injured throughout you know, early part of his career, he's going to be a multi-time champion. His talent is just on a bike is flawless. He, he's, he does stuff that other guys just you don't see other guys doing man it's yeah, pretty and usually amazing. the supercross rider usually hits her talent at like age 24 he's so, way he's ahead kid, yeah the thing about that Roxon and Colt Nichols are 24 yeah well, yeah the kid's phenomenal it's he's fun to watch his personality's awesome it's yeah he's he's a he's when, a stud. He, when he hits his prime he'll be on 450 if he stays healthy, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's got to keep his head right. <clears throat> um, for the 450s, Cooper Webb put in a super strong showing. Yeah. Uh, amazing ride. Led gate to gate, right? Yeah. Or did Osborne he? Had the shot. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Osborne riding good. Um, Roxon. Roxon up there looking really good with the red plate and running points lead. Oh. Think but, he's going to uh, keep it? You think he's going to hold it on all year? I think it's going to be hard to yeah to catch him at this point. I mean, as long as he just keeps consistency, he's he's in a really good position. Um, but, you know, I mean, anything can happen. There's still a lot of racing. Um yeah, we're not Webb's, even halfway through. Webb's riding really well. Tomac's got to scratch back quite a bit to to get back in in the things, but he's he's capable of it. He's a champion. Yep. Um, what about Jason Anderson? <laughs> oh. It's so hard to watch. He, yeah, I heard that he came into the season not really expecting everyone to be where they were. But then I heard that he's also not training like it's his championship year that he's in the winning. So, and I think it proved this weekend. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 off right now. He's not. Uh, I still don't think he cares a whole lot. Yeah, he's lacking some some motivation, I think. But ph- phenomenal rider. Nothing you can't take it away from him. But uh, it shows the guys that want it. It shows, you know, and and. That's what it takes to be a champion. You gotta want it every round. And uh, anyway, um, who else is gonna be in your top five this week? I haven't thought about it. Is it the week from? <clears throat> so they're at the same venue in Orlando, round two of Orlando, round eight of the series. Um, obviously, Stewart? obviously the track's gonna change a little bit, but. Same dirt, same same venue. So, Stewart, um, uh, he's gonna hit up top. This he's got to. 
No. So Stewart is not <laughs> is not going to run one or two. He's, he's winning this weekend. Stewart is not getting a win this season. It's not happening. Um, he is consistent. I love it. He's riding very well. He's just not a number one, number two kind of guy. I mean, prove me wrong, but Stewart's not winning this year. I'm sorry. Eric um, that sign says, prove now, me wrong. I think. Okay, so do you think between Mookie, AC, and Osborne, who has a better shot of winning a race this year? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Best shot of winning a race. I'm going to have to go with AC. He's a ace. Well, with his injuries and difficulties right now, that's going to be a huge feat. I don't think he will win a race this year. Okay. But throw um, Chase Sexton when he comes back. So Osborne is riding really good. Um, I think he's capable. Mm-hmm. He's got to have that breakthrough ride. That's all Osborne needs is that breakthrough ride to to boost that confidence. I think, but. Um, he could do it. AC knows how to win, but with his injuries, it's a it's a big lift. I don't think he's gonna make it happen. So Stewart, you're saying? So none of them. Um, <laughs> Sexton. He's another young rider who is extremely talented. When I watch that kid on a bike, he his timing is is flawless. I mean, he's a phenomenal rider. His his abilities are you know, far above, I think, other other riders on the track. Um, for him, I think it, you know, for him to win is just going to be a matter of mental strength and knowing that he can do it. But, yeah, he's definitely capable. But I don't know. I mean, it's just it's going to be hard to beat these top, you know, the top three riders. I mean, Ken Roxon, Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, those guys are on their game. They know how to win. They're hungry. It shows. So it's a crazy year. Yeah. There, there's <clears> ten <throat> guys that could win it any it, on any given night. Well, and there's a handful of guys like Marvin Muskan and AC who are just a wild card. They'll get a a top three one week and then a thirteenth next. It's like. Yeah, Ferrandis, yeah. There's there's some wild cards in there that you just you don't know week to week what they're going to do and it makes it really tough to pick. So let's talk a little bit about the the scoreboard, the leaderboard and in, in the when we were watching it live, how messed up and jacked up was oh. the 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 board. Oh, I missed Tran- that again. Transponders weren't reading uh or something. Yeah, the, like, Mickey and them were messing up on names and just the whole, it would be like, it would show Colt Nichols down 13 seconds, but it had him in last place, and the guys were, like, two laps behind. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't catch that, I guess. It wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was going crazy. Or the one kid we were watching, Devin, I think it was. I don't remember. Whatever, but he went from, like, second or third all the way to last. But on the board, but out on the track, he never lost a spot. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. Hopefully, they get well, that glitch fixed out. <clears throat> last week's last week's order: Cooper Webb, Ken Roxon, Zach Osborne, Justin Barsha, Eli Tomac for the top five, with Aaron Plessinger in sixth. 
Wild card this week is 13th. Um, that's going to be a tough one, too. Maybe Dean Wilson? Joey Savacci, Benny Bloss, Vince Friese. One of those four guys is my pick. Yeah, not Benny or Vince. For 13th? No. Too far too far up? Yeah. They're going to be back? Yes. Um, and Benny might be questionable to make it sometimes. Mm. Justin Brayton? He got 10th, right? Less. Justin Brayton got 18th. Oh. He faded from 1st to 18th. No front break. Okay, that would make sense. That would. Who needs brakes? They just slow you down. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna throw Malcolm in for fifth place this week. Hmm. First? He's not getting first this year. <laughs> Malcolm, mark my words, Malcolm will not win a race this year. But put him in your picks. Yeah. <laughs> Tell everybody else do better. Yeah, put your put your money where your mouth is. Tell your mom to put him in first. Uh, I know. Then he'll win. Yeah. Yeesh. So Ashley's mom is playing this and she's picked the number one guy every week. The winner has been her pick every week, just first place. So if she puts Malcolm in, that means Malcolm's gonna win. Anyway. All right. Well, it's getting late. It's been a long show. Get your picks in. Um, we've actually started accumulating some of the little gifts that we're going to give to our group winner. And uh, send you a prize package for the winner. Yep. Yep. It's going to be awesome. And Anyways. remember, anybody that gets all five of, the, of their picks right gets a free T-shirt from Rec Tires. Right. One of our sponsors, so that's cool from them. Actually went into a shop today to buy some stuff uh, for the race this weekend for Ashley's bike. And um, Nate's was, such a cool dude. He's yeah. such a good dude over there. And, and uh, they got all kinds of stuff online ordering. Um, they got a lot more than tires, but, you know, they do a large volume of tires and stuff. So they got almost, you know, whatever you need there. And then they and got... ship it out wherever you are oils and bars and grips and you name it i mean they're a full service deal so he check wanted them out. to he wanted to say thank you to the everybody that's been using you know his, Their his code. recreation tires or rectires.com so very cool keep it up it helps us all right guys all right let's call uh, it wrap it up got anything else ash good corn dog and eric signing off See ya at the races. Thank you for listening to the Desert Dirt Biker. Make sure you tune in next time.